Welcome to A Thousand Words, a podcast that paints a picture about an artist's creative process There's a lens to focus on the unique perspective of a specific artist, hopefully drawing insight into inspiration as we brush up on how imagination provides a groundwork for artistic exploration. We're excited to continue that journey with our guest today. I'd like to introduce Candy Grady, the artist behind Simply Faith by Hey Grady. She's painted professionally for several years. Art is very much a part of her daily life. She likes to push boundaries and explore challenging subject matter and developed a unique style of collage as well as color. The key is mixing master techniques with unconventional media. Her artwork is her idea of who she is as a person of color who is a daughter, sister, and a mother. Candy's experience of navigating humanity and her social environment has made her keenly aware and very conscious of her desire to depict her African-American culture in positive ways and vivid colors. Artist Candy Grady creates her art in her home studio located in her hometown of Dowajak, Michigan. Welcome, Candy. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. So you brought in an, a beautiful piece of art. Can you describe the piece you brought with you? Yes. So the piece I brought with me today is called The Essence of Innocence. It's about 12 by 12. Um, that piece is a mixed media of acrylic and ink and oil paint. And it depicts an image of a young girl. And she's surrounded by um, things that are going to influence her life in the future. But right now she's kind of held in this circle of innocence. So we have like um, the image depicts uh, flowers where she's going to bloom. And of course, we have to have the birds and the bees. And the uh, figure of uh, her mother and possibly herself in the upper left-hand corner. And then you said your experience is navigating his, his humanity and your social environment. How does this depict that? What are some of the imagery that you're using that really represents um, your culture? Well, the image of the young girl in the center is... Um, she is a African-American girl, um, and she's wearing white to help depict her um, innocence. But it's actually any um, person of color, um, because I have a, a mixed heritage myself. I can't pick one specific heritage, to, uh, but I do identify as African-American. And I think that people forget that... These children, they do, they're real people and they start out innocent before, you know, just like, like any other child. They start out innocent also. Um, and unfortunately, sometimes they, because of how the world is set up, they have to mature quickly. Does your artwork convey a specific emotion? Yes. I liked my artwork to convey joy. I want people to feel happiness. I want them to feel joy. I want them to feel acceptance. And I want them to feel um, that they can not only feel that for themselves, but they can also put it back out into the world. How has your background influenced your work moving forward? Well, um, I'm, I'm a mother of three uh, adult children. And so uh, I got divorced um, you know, I was pretty young when I got divorced. And so raising my kids on my own, um, primarily raising my children, uh, really influences my artwork because it's the things that I went through with them as a mother. And it's also uh, their experiences that I've seen them navigate through the world. And so some of it's... Um, it may seem like a negative thing, but I tell, uh, what I do is I take and I spin it around and I make it positive. I remember my son, <laughs> my son when he was younger, um, he must have been about 12. He's like, something had happened uh, that wasn't that great. And he says, Mom, I'm, I'm just sick of you seeing good in everything. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I just told him I was like you know you know his name is uh, Demetrius I was like you have to see it 
it's there along with, you know, the thing that happened that was bad. That's how you mature. And that's how my art has matured also. So, um, yeah, I think that's uh, what's influenced me also. Um, uh, growing up in a small town influences my artwork. I come from a very large family. I mean, large, it's huge. And my uh, uh, family is really well known and respected in my community. So we were kind of looked at like you have to be on your P's and Q's. And, oh, yeah. you know, um, and I grew up in a time where like this young girl depicted in the image that, or the artwork that I bought in, you know, I was innocent and my community helped keep me that way until a certain point because they all, it was at a time where everybody knew who your parents were. And so they, they would, you know, keep you in line, yeah, you know, absolutely. with that threat of, you know, I'm going to tell your mother or don't you do that. I, I, I know your mama, you know, I know who your daddy is. Don't you do that? You know? So, um, yeah, so my youth and my adulthood and now um, has brought me to this place where I'm at right now. How do we continue to keep uh, the neighborhood feel and uh, build a community that does kind of protect that innocence while still letting you grow as a person? Ooh, well, the answer would have been a little bit simpler probably before COVID hit. But... You know, we had this discussion at my church not too long ago, and it was about community. And um, the pastor had preached a sermon about community. And the thing about community is, it's more than one person. And it's made up of different people. So if you live in a community or you navigate in a community or exist in a community that's just one type of person, you are sorely missing out. You have to go outside yourself and outside what you know and build those relationships and not be afraid to learn something new or learn somebody new or a new culture uh, and really learn to accept that person, you know. And then I think community starts, but it starts with yourself, you know. But I know it's it's difficult with COVID. You know, we're just now getting back to um, gathering again in some instances, which is beautiful. But I think that we can do it if we put our minds to it, definitely. With the, with you know the pandemic, we've kind of built in our own divisiveness, our own tribalism. How do we move forward? What are the conversations we need to have? And what are the ways that we can continue to have that joy and that happiness that you like to bring to the world? I think the conversations that we need to have are the hard ones, but we don't have to have them in a group discussion, you know? You can talk to your friend. You can, you can, or you can talk to your new friend. You know somebody at work that is not like you. You know, um, you know people who have different ethnic backgrounds. Why don't you try to get to know them better and have those hard conversations and listen? I I have the hard conversations with my friends, but I also consider them my friends because I can have those hard conversations. And even if we don't agree on some things, we can always agree that we don't agree. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's like you can always agree that, you know, hey, we're not going to see eye to eye on this point, whether it's politics, uh, religion or race. They always say don't talk about those three things. But then those are the three things we need to be talking about. You know, I saw you don't talk about this and don't talk about that or don't talk about sex or. But those are the things that. You, you need to talk about with people and the differences of how you see the world. Does the idea, I, I think in the Midwest, people are very nice. They try to be very uh, friendly with everyone. How do mm. we make sure that those conversations happen so we don't feel too confined by the idea of avoiding confrontation? Oh, yeah, I know just what you're talking about because I've lived here all my life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I call that being politely rude. <laughs> Because it is. It's like, okay, I I acknowledge that you're a person of color, you know, or I acknowledge that you might, you know, that you're um, not able to identify with your true sexual, you know, body, but it's okay. No, it's not okay. You know, 
or you have people that are like, oh, I don't see your color. I want you to see my color. <laughs> you know, I want you to see that maybe I'm transitioning. I want you to see that, you know, hey, I'm different because um, I'm gay or I'm a lesbian. But I also want you to see that and be able to love it about, you know, maybe don't love what I do or you don't have to agree with that, but love me, the person, mm-hmm. you know. And then you said uh, you want to show uh, African-American culture in positive ways, vivid colors. What do you think is the biggest misconception of people of color, people with different sexual orientations? What do you think is the root of the issues? Oh, man, that's that's really hard. Um, <laughs> they go so deep. They go back, you know, thousands, of, you know, hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, you know, but the thing is, it's nothing new. Yeah. It's not a new subject. It's been around forever. And uh, people like to make fun of, um, I don't know what they're calling this generation right now. <laughs> You know, I I don't even know what my generation is called, but they like to make fun that they like to label everything. Mm-hmm. Okay. And but the one thing I noticed is that they give me hope because what they're doing, they're identifying and they're putting into words these feelings that were underlying and they're dealing with it. They're addressing it, they're dealing with it, they're bringing it. You know, now you have like PLC or POV. <laughs> I was like, what is POV? And I, was, I found out it was point of view. I just started cracking up. But <laughs> but they're what they're doing is they're like really identifying, you know, uh, these different things that have been existing. Racism, mm-hmm. sexism, um, you know, human, tra- human trafficking. And they're putting uh, they're putting names to it. And they're saying, hey, we're not going to take it. I'm sorry that my grandfather, you know, he was um, in whatever group he belonged to that didn't like this group or that my grandmother, you know, she treated, you know, she had a maid that she didn't treat well or, or, you know, that my family may have owned slaves. But right now I'm going to take the time and I'm going to address it. I'm going to deal with it. And so I applaud them on that because generations before them didn't really do it. I'm going to butcher the... uh exact saying but they say like a a journey of a thousand miles begins with a a single step and i think when we thought about hundreds of generations of discrimination um for every you know race or culture for anybody we always think oh my god it's so overwhelming but it is those steps um that this next generation is taking that is allowing us to move forward um in that same way you know as a parent you're instilling values on your kids uh, your kids are also inspiring you by going this direction. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, my son, he is—he uh, I won't say his position, but he—he he does work in a in a um, nonprofit that's very prominent. And he, us having this conversation is like me having a conversation with him. And at for a while, I learned so much from him. Because uh, at one point he had moved in with me during COVID, and I was, I was just so happy to have him because I had I lived alone, but he was actually waiting on uh, uh, moving into a new apartment, and it hadn't been, the construction wasn't complete on it, and so he came to stay with me for six weeks, and what happened? He was working from home, and he has to have these meetings. And I would have to be really quiet, you know. <laughs> and but with me being really quiet, I could also um, hear the issues that he was addressing in in the nonprofit. Oh wow! And it had to do with um, birth rights. It had to do with um, sexual orientation. It had to do with racism. That's the main three things they address. And I was like, oh my gosh! And also assault and victims. And I was like, oh my gosh, I did not know what he was talking about, some of the things. Mm-hmm. And I'm only oh. one gen, you know, I'm just the generation above him. And I started to think, how did I make a movement on that? How, where did he come from? How did he get that from me? You know, <laughs> <laughs> but he did. 
and, and just watching me. And so I think that every generation does contribute, but it has progressed now. It has progressed. I think it regressed a little bit like in the 90s, honestly, and, and in the 80s. But, you know, where, where it had been in the 70s. But now it's, sorry, now it's, uh, you know, it's come back full circle and it's got fire on its tail. You know, it's like a, we're here now. What do you think adds to that conversation so that we could keep moving forward? And what do you think might be counterproductive to that movement? I have a really good answer for that, but I'm not going to say it. <laughs> oh, no, this is the perfect forum um, for it. Uh, no, people will chop my head off, but um, going forward, I think, yeah, just having those honest conversations with each other and not, and not only with each other, speaking out against it. I think that's the key. If you know you feel a certain way about something and somebody says something negative or you know, this counterproductive is you are responsible to speak up and say, hey, I, you know, I have a different point of view and this is my experience. This is my knowledge. This is where I'm coming from without saying, I think where it regresses is when people try to say, if you're not with me, you're against me. That's the regression. I can be with you and be against some of the stuff that you're that you want to, um, you know, some of the vibes or whatever you want to put out in the world. I can be against that, but I can also be with you and say, hey, I don't appreciate that, but I do appreciate this. You know, we do that every time we vote. We don't agree like with 100% Democrat or 100% Republican, but we do pick out those issues, you know, when we vote. And I think voting is like top, 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 top. And mostly voting in your local, not just waiting for it to be a national mm -hmm. issue, voting on local issues, because that's where it starts. It starts at home. And starting from home, how do we build, um, how do we use art as a way to express ourselves when it's hard to have those difficult conversations? Art is healing. Art can save your life if you let it. It's There's all different types of art form. And thank goodness. It basically is just getting back to be in, in embracing that God in us, the creator. And once we can focus on like embracing him in, in ourselves, uh, we can start that healing process within ourselves. You know, it starts within yourself. And I, I think art, when we have that outlet to create something, we feel good. It lets go of those, you know, endorphins or whatever they want to call them. And, it, and you just feel good. But also like seeing an image and going, oh my gosh, this made me feel this way. Mm -hmm. And now I can identify, you know, with this person that I don't even know because their artwork speaks to me. And I can look at it every day and and be inspired by it, you know. What role does an artist play in society? A very important one. And not just about making pretty pictures or music or writing. Um, everything you do is designed by an artist. And people kind of forget that. Everything you brush your teeth, somebody designed that toothbrush. They sketched it out, <laughs> you know, or they did a graphic. And they designed it. The chair you're sitting in. Art is literally everywhere in the world. What God didn't create, we did. And so um, it's art. It's art. And I think art is, is, is important um, to uh, speak about what's going on in the world. Uh, Nina Simone's you know, famous quote is that, as artists, we're responsible to reflect the times that we're living in. And even though I do art that focuses on happiness and joy, I had to go through some pain to find that happiness and joy. And that's in the art because it's part of me. And, and I know that people like the bright colors, but they also, I have had people 
uh, contact me and say, I love that. And it made me feel deeper than just that surface joy. It made me really think um, about what I had been through and how I came through that process. You know, art art does present per- perseverance because the artist um, started out with intention and they persevered and completed that piece. And you leave a lot of soul on on the art when you let it go. I, I just... Um, I finished a painting, uh, true story. I finished a painting the other day. And you know how we do, I, how we do. Sometimes we just can't wait. So we like, uh, I posted it to Instagram and someone bought it instantly. And I was like, oh, no, wait a minute. Um, I Let me varnish it. And, um, um, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, you're supposed to create art to kind of let it out in the world if you're ready, if you're ready as a person. And so uh, I had decided I was ready, but you know, when people buy it, you're like, okay, wait a minute. Um, I'm still a little bit emotionally attached to it. <laughs> She's my baby right now. So let me varnish her up and I'll, I'll get her to you, you know, um, because you do leave like a uh, part of yourself in the, on the image. And that, the, uh, the painting that I just uh, finished is called, um, I Bear Good Fruit. And I, I was going to bring it. I was actually finishing it so I could bring it here. And um, I didn't want to bring it because it belongs to someone else now. But it depicts a, a African-American. Just It's a man, a man and it shows half his face. And in his hand, he has large hands. And in his hands, he's holding four oranges. And um, so, you know, it has a nice bright orange colors. The blue skies are in back of him. And it depicts uh, that it's called um, I Bear Good Fruits and the endeavor of the black man to um, produce a fruitful life. And uh, the photo credit goes to one of my friends. He was just taking a selfie for um, Instagram. But even in the artwork of his photograph, I saw art you know, <laughs> and social change. So, you know, art is everywhere. How do you, the, the titles you give are, are very, how do you figure out a title for a piece? It's basically how I was feeling. Um, all my, all my art starts as a sketch. I'm not a very good artist where um, I could just, oh, I feel this way on the canvas, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I admire those people. But all my art starts as a sketch. And... So when I sketch I sketch it out, it starts telling me what it is. You know, I may have an idea of an image or I don't do do realism very much. Like his photo inspired me, but it doesn't look exactly like him. Um, because I like to work with what's inside of me. And photographs are external, you know. And uh, so I like to work from within. So I don't do really do realism. But um, I just lost my train of thought. I don't know. Maybe it'll come back to me. <laughs> <laughs> we have a forum here, so you can have that come back to you. You did mention earlier a couple traits, perseverance uh, yeah. in an artist. Um, do you think having those traits, can anyone be an artist? And what defines an artist in your eyes? You know, my, I had... <laughs> I had a friend send me a uh, artist certificate. It was like it was a. It was so stupid. It's like a certificate. It says, uh, you know, this certifies that you know Katie Grady is an artist and blah blah blah. And it just had a bunch of junk on it, you know. And it was uh, it was hilarious. It was a joke <laughs> because there's no such thing. Art. I started drawing really, really young, really young. My family is. I come from family artists. My family are talent. I'm just the one that took it, took this avenue. But it wasn't that unique, you know. Um, when I was small, we didn't have like a lot of toys, um, or we didn't have computer games. <laughs> you know, we, we had Atari, like the ping pong, boop, 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 you know. <laughs> and so we, you had to like get in your imagination with your with your Tonka cars and stuff, you know. And, and my thing was drawing, and my brothers, we always sit around and draw. So, and our friends did, 
you know. So I think everybody is everybody can be an artist. It's not something like where you make if you draw a picture, it has to look exactly, you know. It's just that can you get free enough to let it come out? You have to be free. You have to free yourself when you're doing it and you have to realize and get into identifying yourself as an artist and letting that flow from you and it can be really really scary and it's going to take you maybe a little bit of time to find what you think is your signature but really the secret is only do it for yourself and other people can think it's cool and catch on don't try to do it because you everybody's um, selling pictures of koala bears. And so you want to, like, well, I can draw a koala bear. <laughs> no, that's not it. You yeah. know, if you really want to do it, then do it. Free your mind. Let it go. Get your, get your space within yourself and let it out. Even if you don't show anybody. If you just keep the sketches to yourself or the paintings to yourself, just do it. You know? Just, just let it out. As you said, you know, when you were a kid, you you uh, did art. I think that's something universally every kid gets attracted to art. What do oh, you think, yeah. What do you think inhibits us later in life? Why we can't just kind of freely flow? Life inhibits you. <laughs> you know, you get, you have a family, um, and uh, that's the goal, isn't it? To, to go forth and multiply. So when you have a family and you have to um, do things, you know, life gets in the way. And so, but also, you can also circle back around. You know, once my kids are, have you know, grew up, I circle back around. You know, I used to have the, the corporate job where I had to, you know, put on the corporate, go out there in the world and, and get to it. But now... You know, the drive is mine now. It's for me. It's not for somebody else. What are your words of wisdom for uh, an artist just starting out in the field? To not give up. To not give up. If you um, do it once a week, you know, don't give up. Um, Just keep going. And another thing, don't be afraid to enter into art fairs. You know, if you want to sell your art, there are a lot of art fairs that are low cost that you can get in. Art Beat is great. Um, comes around once a year, but it's a great thing to get into. It's like they keep it low for artists. You know, the cost is really, really low. Um, and there's there's other uh, avenues. That, uh, there's if you want to display your art, there are coffee houses that will display your arts, um, breweries. You know, if you see going and you see artists on the wall, ask that manager. Say, hey, you know, are you, um, are you open to having new artists on your wall? And the, most of the time they're like really supportive and they're like, because they love art or they wouldn't have it on the wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So nobody's going to advocate for your art but you. Nobody's going to come along and say, oh, girl, what you're doing is great. You know, <laughs> especially, unfortunately, you know, don't get your hopes set on your family coming along and saying, oh, wow, that's great. But do you make money doing that? You know, that's always the little whisper. Like, do you, uh, do you sell those? You know, don't get discouraged by that. We'll just keep going. And, you know, if try to use also, not to be an art snob, but try to use the best materials. If you're going to sell your art, try to use the best materials that you can. If you have to start out with not using the best materials, that's understandable. But I I used to be a person that said, oh, I'll just paint with anything. But I would go back and I look at my work in honest reflection. And I know why it's flaking, chipping, peeling, fading, because there were certain things I didn't like. And there's like lots of YouTube videos out there and instructionals. A great one is, um, I don't know if I can say their name on there. Oh, a great one is Golden and also um, Blix. They have great videos and they're by real artists. 
Oh, fantastic. Yeah, they're by real artists. I would advise anyone to to wash those because you learn how to use the things they create, <laughs> you know? And it's, it's I, I went to school for art, um, but I didn't graduate with a degree in art. So, so I, if you can go to classes also, like at your art center or local art center, um, which I which I try to do, um, do that also. You know, if you're just going to take a one day course or whatever, because you're going to pick up something, you're going to learn, learn something and also find like minded people. How do you continue to evolve and grow? The like-minded people. <laughs> You're, if you can find an artist community, if you can start um, finding uh, um, people and making friends, like when you get out and you start doing these art art events, you will you will meet people mm-hmm. and follow them. You know, follow them and, and develop a relationship with them because then you you start talking and you start learning things. You start learning where they're showing or what they're doing. You know, if you're really interested and you admire what they do, because art having other people um, to sit around and, and and talk about your ideas because uh, there's very few people that are going to want to talk about acrylic mediums with you. (laughs) 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 They're not going to want to talk to you about, oh, you know, do I have enough ventilation for my oil paints? You know, they're not going to want to talk about that with you. So you have to um, go out there and find your tribe. Yeah. I remember when I dropped my um, daughter, uh, my youngest daughter, uh, she attended Full Sail University, which is an artist university in um, Florida. And when I, was taking her in for orientation and stuff. And my daughter is very uh, quiet. She's an artist, but she's a very quiet person. Yeah. And in high school, she didn't really like, you know, have too many friends and, and she is on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> I just remember looking around at Full Sail and thinking, why didn't I go here when I was her age? <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, and she's like, just walking up to people and they're just like, you could see them like click together like little magnets, like <laughs> click, 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 click. Yeah. You know, they're like, oh, yes, that, you know, we're here for, and they, she had found her tribe and she was smiling and talking and, and she didn't have that, you know, in her, where she grew up. But as soon as she got there, she started developing these friendships with the other artists and it's very important to do that if you if you can and and you and you start making friends and then you'll pretty soon you'll make a new friend and you'll say well do you know so and so this artist and they'll go oh yeah i know her you know so yeah just find like-minded people when you go to those classes you will too you mentioned they click together like like a magnet oh yeah when you express yourself and you put something out there in the ether with your work, do you find the community starts drawing towards you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they do. And they and they start reaching out to you also. And then in today's modern society, we're moving a billion miles per second with everything that's going on. How do you keep the bandwidth where you can keep an open mind but you also draw your boundaries on this person is negative or this isn't a good influence in my mm. life. Well, you know, they say you have to love everybody, but you can love them in different ways, I guess. Um, I, I, I don't, I just keep my, I don't keep my distance from them, but I, I really see them for who they are. And um, they may not be in my immediate circle, but I also, you know, try to appreciate them as a person. But the one thing I find that's uh, best for me is that I, um, I just try to kill them, kill them with kindness. I guess I don't even. I, I before if you would ask me this question maybe ten years ago, mm-hmm. or even before COVID hit, when you realize how uh, precious life is now. Yeah. Like to me, I started before I would just clear by ah. You're out of here, you know. <laughs> but now it's like, if I cut this person off, will I, you know, will I ever, you know, see them again? Even if they're negative, you know, I, I still want to, I still want to be able to like pray for them, 
you know. Um, but to keep boundaries, I I just try to lo- to love them in that different way. I don't let their let their negativity influence me, and so you got to stay s- strong. And that's another thing, uh, you know, where I say perseverance. You have to stay really steadfast, but at the same time be open. But stay say stay steadfast on your on your way. But you do have to be open because we have to artists have to learn from our environment. So I can't always cut people off because I have to learn from that person. And to stay steadfast, to stay perseverant, um, were there times where you felt like I, I want to give this up? And how did you overcome that? There were times I wanted to, to give it up. The first time I wanted to give it up, I entered a competition that I wasn't ready for. And I didn't sell anything. Nobody even came and looked at my work. I think one woman, she looked at something I was doing and she goes, oh, my son did that in 10th grade. Jeez. I know. But, you know, I had to go back and I had to be honest with myself. I was trying to make art that I thought people would buy. Mm-hmm. Really, I was just trying to make art. Because I thought that if I made art that people would buy, that would make me successful. Mm-hmm. And being an artist has nothing to do with a dollar sign. If you're getting into it thinking you're going to make millions of dollars, you're going to you're going to lose yourself in that because it's going to drive you crazy. Trying to make that million dollars instead of trying to make the art. I think we always try to compare ourselves to others. Uh, so when you see this, you you have so many examples now of art. So quickly at the in, touch of your fingertips, you, mm-hmm. can, you can find so much art. How do you get yourself to not push yourself too fast, too far, too hard? I used to make art almost, uh, well, I, I try to do something every day, but I used to think that I had to uh, make something every day. When COVID first started, I, um, before everyone was like, oh, it's COVID, you know, let's, let's, let's run away to our own corners. Um, I was at, uh, I had a studio that wasn't in my home. It was in a store and the, the store owner, they were, they were also artists. They were, they, their medium was clay, but she had some canvases from classes that she that she was doing like art classes or mixed media and she said you want these canvas panels and they were like eight by ten and she i think she gave me like 20 of them oh so when covid hit i would sit there every day and and make art right (laughs) like sometimes in one day i'd do a painting and it would take me from the time i woke up till i was gonna go to bed and i said well this is no way to live (laughs) because I wasn't doing anything else. I was solely focused on art. I remember people used to call me, you know, and then all of a sudden I found myself like lonely, you know, because I was um, focused. I was taking everything I had and, and, and uh, what do they call it? Um, When you uh, project something, project your feelings onto something else oh um i think it is called projection emotional projection yeah (laughs) Yeah, something like that yeah (laughs) if anything else is communication as long as you can communicate your ideas yeah yeah yeah, Yeah, so i was avoiding dealing with the issue of of life you know and dealing with the 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 tragedy because all you would hear on the news was every day how many people passed uh they don't like to tell you that every day now anymore um but, you know, when it first started, we got bombarded with all that information. And it was overwhelming. And so I had to, to realize that I can, even though I'm an artist, I cannot let it um, take over my life. I can't, you know, um, just let, just make art and not look up and see what's going on around me, you know. When you look up and you see what's going on around you, does that influence your art pieces? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, stories people tell me about themselves. And I, I am that person that will talk to 
someone and say hello. And I don't know what it is, but they want to tell me their life story. (laughs) (laughs) You know, on our short plane ride, I know everything about them or a train ride. Um, So I I just listen. You know, I... I kind of got an idea from a piece from my uh, Uber driver. <laughs> I'd love to hear it. <laughs> well, actually, he was, it was an Uber. It was, a, what's the other one? Lyft. Uh-huh. Lyft. So he was lifting me to the airport. And funny thing is, he he was an artist also. At at some point in his life, when he was very young, he mm-hmm. was an artist. And he, he had made a portrait of his father. Oh. And I said, oh, how'd you, how'd you feel? And he's. And he, uh, when he made that portrait, he said, you know, I felt pretty good um, because I had my, I gave it to my sister and it still hangs in the, her living room. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, that is so cool. You, so it's become like a family heirloom. And he's like. Girl, it was a portrait of my dad, and I was so in love with my daddy. Oh. And, I, and that's why I said, I was like, oh, my gosh. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was like, oh, yeah, every time I go to my sister's, you know, she lives back down south. And every time I go to my sister's and I see that, I just remember how in love with my daddy I was. His father had passed when he was 11. And I was like, that is beautiful. Yeah. In a 15-minute ride to the airport, I learned this beautiful thing. So, I, yeah, people are, people are a wonderful thing. They have, they have wonderful stories to learn from. It's interesting to uh, put time in perspective. 15 minutes can change a whole life. Oh, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I've been thinking about that. I mean, that was a month ago. And I've been thinking about his, um, you know, what he revealed to me. Ever since, because that just, I loved my daddy too. Mm -hmm. And even though I was an adult when my dad passed, he passed uh, about 16 years ago. um, Even though I was an adult, I I remember that, that grief. And, and I, and I know when I look at my father's pictures uh, hanging on the wall at my mother's house, I think how much I love my dad, you know? And, but he didn't have, I mean, he was a much older man. And so the photo that he had of his father that he that he did the portrait on, it kind of got damaged. But they have his painting, you know? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. that is oh. the coolest thing. Yeah. In 15 minutes, I learned that. Imagine him. what you could do in yeah. an hour a day. Yeah. yeah, did so many incredible things in his life in 15 minutes. And he knew right where to take me in the airport because he had moved in Chicago, to Chicago when he was in his 30s and he was in his 70s, um, present day. And he had helped build part of the airport. Just like, oh, yeah, I know where it's I worked at the airport for 30 years. I helped build this, you know, this part of it. And I was like, wow. <laughs> You should be like a national treasure or something. You have so much, uh, you know, knowledge to give. In those harder days, when it, when it feels overwhelming, what keeps you inspired to continue going forward? My grandkids. Oh, <laughs> tell me about them. <laughs> My grandkids love art and they love to create. And my daughter is really good with them. Uh, my grandkids, they they live all the way on the other side of the nation. They live in Florida. <laughs> and um, so if I draw something, they want to see what I'm drawing. And I want to see what they're drawing. And they send me their drawings <sighs> or they send me their art, you know. And the, the joy of making art when I see them doing it, it's incredible. Kids always keep me. Kids always have kept me inspired to, to uh, make art because they're very open, and they believe who you, who who you say they are. I taught art at community centers in my community, and I also taught art. Have taught art uh, with the Pokagon Band in Dwajak for a few years before. COVID. I don't think they've had, you know, been open since then where they have, um, the Pokagon Band has a summer camp in Dwajak. It's a beautiful wooded area. And so the kids are free to run and, 
and they come in and they create and they're just really happy, you know, and they're open to whatever you say. And they think that everything is incredible, (laughs) whatever you do it, you know, it's like, you know, just mixing paint, you know, or whatever. And so, and at the community center, the same way, the kids would come after school. And so they just, you know, they think everything that you show them, you have to realize you're showing, they may be seeing it for the first time. So they think like, oh man, this is great, you know, or they never thought of something being, you know, like art. And uh, so they, they keep me inspired. And I remember um, at the end of one of the courses, a girl who was really shy at the beginning, um, she came up to me and she handed in her artwork because I collected them. We had an exhibit at the end. Mm-hmm. And when she signed her name, behind her signature, she wrote artist. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, doggone right. And I kind of started off with them like that too. But I they believe who who that they are who you say they are because, and I kind of set the tone for that when I walk in because I'd say, hey, today, everyone here, just look around, look at everybody. And they all start looking around, you know, because they're, you know, we're going, you know. <laughs> I said, everybody here today, right now, from this point on, you are artist. And so I would do that with them when when classes start. But they they gave me much more than I gave them. They inspire you. They're if you want honesty, ask a kid. <laughs> they will tell you that that's not good, you know. <laughs> Children are so inspiring. And one of the things I like is their imagination. Mm. Um, What is the best question that you can think of that a child has asked you about art? Um, The best question is the question of disbelief, I think. When they see something that you made and they go, did you do that? (laughs) And I go, yeah. And they were like, wow, you know. And um, my girlfriend who teaches dance, uh, she taught me a really good way also to communicate with them that they can do it too. And I go, you know, because they always wonder if they can do it. And I go, oh, yeah, you can do it. You just follow the steps. And they're like, well, I don't know how to follow the steps. Well, my girlfriend tells, told me to tell kids, oh, just copycat me. <laughs> and they understand copycat. You know, they, they know what it is to copycat. Oh, I can copycat. That takes the, you know, that takes the um, scariness out of it for yeah. them. Yeah. But I always think that's like the best question, especially like when it's a big painting or something. They're like, oh, wow, did you make that? Did you draw that? And I love the other one. Well, what is it? what's it supposed to be I go what do you see and they'll tell me what they see so they like I say they always give me you know and sometimes they see something I never saw in it you know and I'm like oh all right (laughs) so you said uh, children inspire you how can we inspire the next generation of children I think if we let them keep their imagination Unfortunately, I, you know, growing up and like you asked me a question previously, like what separates you from art as you get older or whatever, you know, when you're a child and you and you start making art and all of a sudden you stop. People tell you things like you can't be an artist, you can't make money at it, you know, it all it all becomes about money and about life and have families. And so... I think, you know, just let the children keep their imaginations in some way. I know they have to have, you know, structure in their life, but give them that outlet. I think my daughter is doing a very good job with always keeping crafts in her house. Not, and she does something that would drives me crazy, but <laughs> she lets them make that mess, you know? Mm-hmm. She lets them make that mess. She has a designated spot for them to make this mess in her house and to let them have their imagination. And if it doesn't look like the picture, that's okay too. But just let 
let children have their imagination. My my grandson, he runs around on a stick and that's his rocket, you know. <laughs> I had no idea. One day I moved the stick and <laughs> he's like, where's my rocket? He's only two. He just wanted to know where his rocket was. I had no idea what he was talking about. But if you, if you uh, just let them keep that imagination and if you encourage it, you don't know who you'll be turning out into society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you it might be the next um, great engineer if you let them, or the next great scientist, um, or the next great astrologist, because they have that imagination. Because with imagination comes the question, why? I want to end on that, but you said one thing that I think is really important. Um you said that when you were talking to a child, you said uh, you could follow these steps. Another person came to you and said, say copycat. And that resonated with them and they were able to do it. Yeah. How do we remove some of the ivory towers so that people can keep their imagination? Um, or we can make it more inclusive, make art more inclusive by removing those ivory towers. I think the first thing is that we have to put art back in school. And make it relevant. It, you know, art is uh, is mostly considered something that's not really needed in school, but it is because sometimes that's the only place that child gets to create. Every child in the U.S. has to go to school, right? In a public place like a school, there's not much opportunity for art. If they don't deem it necessary, you know, they cut the budget so much that art is left out. Kids have to go outside of school to seek art. They have to go outside of school. I mean, when I went to school, we had art, we had drama, we had band, we had choir. Those programs have been cut. That is the big, lean, white, ivory tower wall that's in the way right now because that's where the kids spend most of their day and so if you put art and make it important in school then it's going to be important in society because school is a structured place right where people of authority teachers and principals and and so when kids see that art is in school in a place of authority it becomes important to them too I want to thank Candy Grady for teaching us uh, and giving her, her us her time, effort, and insight. Thank you for listening to A Thousand Words. This episode was recorded at Wolf Den Studios in South Bend. Our audio engineer is Dustin Traversky. We hope you enjoyed this journey of inspiration, imagination, and exploration. I'm Ryan Doss reminding you to have fun, be creative, and enjoy a wonderful day. <laughs>